Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. bold people I do not see Donald Trump hour number three Pete Callender here 704-570-1110 1-800-WBT-1110 here on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT we are monitoring the uh, Manhattan courthouse where Donald Trump is inside that building and there are a bunch of bold police officers milling about the hallway outside the doors I'm just telling you what I'm seeing on the... Well, hey, the door's opening. A man with hair has exited. Another man with hair. A third man with hair. That's all I've got. It's, it, they're going back in. And uh, a man with almost no hair wearing a uniform has now stepped out. I'm just pointing out, like, there's a lot of bald cops here. I think it's the thing. Like, they're all going... Like, they're all shaving the head down. I take it back. Those guys right now, they, like that one on the left. Oh, that's a female. She has hair. Okay, well, that makes sense. But the other one, he has a beard. He has a beard. This is the kind of play-by-play in-depth analysis and information you expect in these breaking news events, right? Which, by the way, not breaking news. Not breaking news. Hang on. Where am I? Who is that? Is that ABC? That is ABC. Are you? Good for ABC. ABC is not saying breaking. They're saying live. Good for them. And CBS, good for them. Yeah, CBS News, they're, uh, they're saying live, but they're not saying breaking. CNN is saying breaking, and, and Fox News is saying breaking. I mean, they're also saying live, but they're saying breaking. And it's not breaking. It was planned. Everybody knew when this was going to be occurring. Right. Rant over. Andrew Dunn, Longleaf Politics. I highly advise you subscribe to his Substack. It's free. You can get a free version of it. I think if you want to kick some money towards him as well to help him in the effort. Um, Andrew Dunn used to be a reporter, and uh, then he became uh, the press secretary actually for uh, on the campaign for the lieutenant governor Dan Forrest for his campaign. And so he's got a good eye and understanding for politics, but also you know, from the reporter side of things, the media side of things. So when the North Carolina State Senate leadership uh, proposed this bill, Senate Bill 406, to expand the school voucher program in this state and create these, these essentially like a progressive tiered system where the more money you make as a, as a household, then the less money you get for your school voucher. And what Andrew Dunn argues, and I think he is exactly right, is that 
this seems to be missing the point on on educational freedom, on school choice, right? The philosophy behind it is that parents know what's best for the kids, for their own kids, and that the money that the, the state invests in education should support students, not systems. And I remember watching the documentary Waiting for Superman 15 years ago. And it became very clear. And, th- and by the way, that, that documentary was, was done by a liberal. And uh, I, I believe he was the guy who did Al Gore's movie, Inconvenient Truth, the husband of Elizabeth Shue. Remember the, the actress, Elizabeth Shue? Her husband. And he talked about in the documentary, he would drive his kid to school at a private school and he would drop his kid off at this private school every day and he would pass these other schools and he got to thinking, why haven't these other schools ever gotten better? And so he started exploring why. And spoiler alert, if I need to do that for a movie that's 15 years old, but uh, the answer is that the, the adults that run the systems are more invested in protecting and preserving and maintaining the system than it is than they are in making sure every kid gets educated. That's the top line finding that the parents or the adults rather vote for themselves, vote for their system. And once you are once your eyes get opened to that, you can never unsee it. And that's my problem. I fully admit it. That's my problem. My eyes got opened. And after watching the behavior of the adults, that's all I see now. Because that's how they behave. And I've got examples of it. Here's one. Um, this is from the uh, it's from Marianne Wolf. She's a PhD. She served as president and executive director of the Public School Forum of North Carolina since June of 2020, bringing with her more than 20 years of educational policy and leadership, working directly with schools and districts across the state to improve equity and build capacity for innovation. So this organization, by the way, has been around for like 30 years or so, this uh, public school forum, and it is sort of your your usual suspects. You know, you look back through its 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 membership roles and it's and who's leading the team and all of this right they, they they are well like for example if you look at the team right now it's uh they've got 20 people on the on the team and 13 of the 20 are white women one of them is a white dude five of them are black women and there are no black men that's the team but they're all about equity they're going to teach us about equity they they they're focusing on equity and inclusion although 13 out of the 20 are white women. That's their team. And and 18 out of the 20 are women. Do you think that matters? I think it matters. A little bit. I think it matters. Um, also, they come from the left. They always have. This organization is connected to the Z. Smith Reynolds Foundation. These are the big funders of all leftist think tanks and policy ideas, policy shops and such in this state. And she writes at Education NC the other day that uh, opponents of, uh, or sorry, she says that the primary sponsors of this bill, that what they want to do is they want to send a billion dollars in public education funding, your taxpayer dollars, 
They want to send a billion dollars a year to follow students to whatever education option a parent chooses, regardless of a family's financial need or educational needs of the student. Now, what is she saying there? Is that true or false? Technically, it's true. They want to send a billion dollars. They're talking about increasing this program funding to a billion dollars per year to follow students to whatever education option a parent chooses. But then she says, regardless of a family's financial need or educational needs of the student, that's not true. That part's not necessarily true because if you have a wealthy family, right, they're not going to get the full amount of what the state pays to educate a kid in this state, in government schools. The voucher is reduced. See, see what I mean? This, so it doesn't even matter how you structure this program. The left is still going to argue the same way against the program, which is why Andrew Dunn, in his piece, talking about this, uh, the, you know, the, general, the headline is, the General Assembly doesn't quite understand school choice. And this is why he's imploring them, like, stop with these with these attempts to inoculate yourselves from the arguments of the left, because it doesn't matter what your policy is, the way you set up this this progressive tiered, this bracket system based on income. And it's not going to matter. The left is still going to argue against it because the left is arguing in defense of the system. That's what they're protecting. That's what they want. They want control over the system. They do not want this to be a, a diffused system where, where the money follows the kids and parents get to choose what education. Oh, my God, they're going to learn something that I don't approve of. <gasps> no. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Because it's based on this fatal conceit that the, the, the defenders of the K-12 government monopoly system, this cartel, like this fatal conceit that they have, this lie that they have, is that everything that you that your kid is learning is what they need to learn. And anything that your kid doesn't learn in school, they didn't need to learn. And that's crap. <laughs> I mean, that's, I'm sorry, that's garbage. That is hot, flaming garbage. Kids learn stuff in schools that they don't need to know, and they are not taught things in schools that they do need to know in in the current system. And I'm supposed to be afraid that some other school is going to pick and choose different things for the kids to learn and not learn? I don't care. You know why? Not my kid. Your kid. You care. You need to care. Right? And if if you care, if you want your kid to go to a school where they are put on privilege walks and they're taught that the, the color of their skin determines their place in society. And if you want your kid to learn that stuff or you want your kid to have, you know, drag queen story hour, right? You want to learn that stuff. You want to learn that all babies are trans and everybody gets to pick all of this stuff, right? You want your kid to learn those uh, virtues, those, those beliefs, send your kid to a school that teaches them. And if some other parent doesn't want their kid to learn those same things, you don't get to force them to learn those things. That's how freedom works. Well, 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 well then what, they're going to raise some kid and they're going to have a different idea? Yeah. Yeah, it's called a pluralistic society. Dare I say it? It's what democracy looks like. 
All right. Now, given the state of affairs in our country and the world, are you asking yourself whether you're prepared for an emergency? I actually get asked this a lot. My answer, start at Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies, the full line of Augustine Farms and Mountain House Foods, books, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, camping and hiking supplies. Being prepared is just smart. Whether you're an experienced prepper or you have no clue what you're doing or somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. In Waynesville and online at carolinareadiness.com, get tickets to the Heritage Life Skills event also. Make a day trip to the mountains and return home fully prepared. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? I'm ready to get to your calls here. One second, though. We got breaking news. This is actually not, it's not Trump related. I'll get your calls in a second. Andy, Jim, stand the line. I'll get to you in a minute. All right. Uh, news Talk 1110-993-WBT. Breaking news. Axios.com out of Raleigh. This is uh, Lucille Sherman reporting that a North Carolina Democratic lawmaker is expected to flip her party affiliation according to multiple Republicans with knowledge of the discussions. The move would cement Republicans' toehold in a fast-changing swing state, handing them a veto-proof majority in the middle of the legislative session and clear a runway to enact their agenda, despite opposition from Democratic Governor Roy Cooper. Which, by the way, now it means you have a veto-proof majority. Why did you even do the Medicaid expansion? <laughs> anyway. You know who it is? Mecklenburg County Democrat Tricia Cotham. Democrat from Charlotte. Republicans have been one seat short of a supermajority in the House. They have been hoping that she would flip. And according to sources for Axios, she is expected to announce that decision tomorrow. She will flip. Why? I have an article or an op-ed in here where the McClatchy people went after her. The left has been dragging her because she was out sick with long. She, she's been battling long COVID. And, um, and so she was out sick and missed one of the override votes and got dragged for it by the leftists. Yeah. I suspect that's got something to do with it. All right, let me get back to the phones here. Andy, thanks for hanging on. Welcome to the show. Hey, Andy. 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 All righty. Jim, welcome to the program. Hello, Jim. How are you? Hey, Pete. Hey, what's going My on? My favorite topic that you talk about, <laughs> the North Carolina public education system. Uh Pete, it, it is the way North Carolina government, which filters right on down to county governments, maintains control of the people and the voters in North Carolina. And I heard a comment recently, Pete, about, uh, and I think this emanated out of, the, out of the North Carolina system. This person said, I don't want to see the system become resegregated. Well, I'm sorry. But that bus left two or three decades ago. We, we now have a system, Pete, where, yeah, if you don't have the means, your kid stays in public schools. 
But if you have a little bit of money and a little bit of desire to help your kids, you do whatever you can to get them out of the public school. And, and that involves, just like the young lady you were just talking to a few moments ago, they want to get out of the public schools and get their kid into a private school. Mm-hmm. Money that I had earmarked for my first grandson's college education, I'm now paying to have him go to a private school, mm-hmm. private high school. And um, I did not want him to go into the public schools. Uh, Pete, Pete, we have a system in North, right in Mecklenburg County, they're debating right now, $3 billion bond issues for public schools. Right. $3 billion. Yep. Right up the road north of Mecklenburg, there's a proposed high school out, out of Mecklenburg County that they're looking at a $200 million price tag <laughs> to build from scratch. Now, that, that price, I'm, I have not looked at the details, but I'm sure that price will include... A state-of-the-art sports stadium, maybe yeah. a swimming pool. Yeah, I mean, because the what the one down in uh, South Charlotte, down in Steel Creek, the Palisades area high school, I believe that one was um, that was uh, like a hundred thirty million, and I mean that yeah, like and that was that's this year that's in the bond package. hundred, I think I think that's right. There's a high school for the South. It's a relief high school. Maybe it's not the Palisades one, but a hundred thirty million. And think about it, just like ten years ago. The price was one third. Rocky River High School cost fifty-two million to build in twenty ten, and now the high schools cost a hundred thirty million dollars to build. And 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 for what are they getting a better education out of those buildings? Uh, Pete, if you'll go look at some of these new campuses, that price tag includes what would have been a state-of-the-art stadium for yeah. the high school I attended sixty something years ago. We didn't have a stadium. <laughs> we, we had two goalposts with uh, rollout bleachers. That was it. Yeah, well, and it, <laughs> like, and this gets to my point, though, about uh, the, the choice, which is treated like you, we do colleges. I went to Winthrop University. Winthrop University does not have a football program. And, it, and, it, and it's a small school. I didn't want to go to a large school. You get different things. People are free to make these choices. Like, do you want to go to a college that has, you know, these programs, these, you know, they, you know, they turn out great doctors or lawyers or teachers or whatever. Like, the, people make these choices all the time. Why should every other level of, of, of school be different? If I want to go to a high school that's about, you know, theater and performing arts versus football programs, why should I have to go to one that's promising me both and not delivering on either? Many of the charter schools, Pete, have zero athletic facilities. Right. None. And, and they stress academics. Right. And that's the way it should be. No, I mean, I see if a... Whatever system that needs to be privatized, it is state and local government participation in the quote-unquote public system. Yeah. It I... all needs to be privatized. Yeah, I got you. Jim, I appreciate the call, buddy. Good to hear from you, as always.
News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here. 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at the PeteCallenderShow.com. Here's a tweet. It's a Pete tweet from Joe. Joe says, Pete, Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan District Attorney, says they'll probably file felony charges against North Carolina Representative Trisha Cotham. She once visited New York. They're just looking for a crime right now. <laughs> Um, uh, Gregory says your caller Jim was incorrect about athletic programs and charter schools both Pine Lake and Langtree Iredell Charter Academy in Iredell have athletic programs I don't remember did he say all did he say no charters have them I don't know if they're required to have all of the same kinds of athletic programs and uh, yeah I don't know what all of the rules are for charters because they are public schools charter schools are public schools remember um, but thank you, Greg. Appreciate it. Um, Roy Cooper, my good friend Ray, the governor. Oh, hang on. Speaking of which, I got a message from my good friend Ray earlier. Uh, yeah, who said people who object to vouchers for religious schools should uh, ex- they should accept the Planned Parenthood standard, where it's fine if money funds all of the other aspects of your operation as long as it isn't directly used for religious classes. There you go. I like it, Ray. No, but really, the governor put out a, a, a couple of tweets, which it's probably one of his staffers, attacking the House budget. And in this, he says it fails public schools while injecting culture wars into classrooms, increasing vouchers for unaccountable. This is the other thing they always say, these, that, uh, that schools that get voucher money are unaccountable. And that's a lie. That is a lie. They are accountable. They're just not accountable to you. Right? They're not accountable to you, GovCo agent. They're accountable to parents and to students and to teachers at the school. That's who the schools are accountable to. In fact, it's a greater level of accountability because if the school fails to provide the education it promised, the school closes. It goes out of business and everybody gets fired. That's accountability. In K-12, government monopoly school land, when you fail as a school, you get more money. That's all. Maybe some reshuffling of personnel, but people don't get blown out. People don't get fired. Um, let's see here. He says the uh, increasing vouchers for unaccountable private schools, giving even more tax breaks to wealthy people and letting child care centers fail when they're needed to help parents get back to work. And Corey DeAngelis, who is a champion of of school choice, he responded. He's a national figure. He responds to our governor, and he says, if private schools are so unaccountable, why did you send your kid to one? Why indeed, Ray? Why indeed? Governor Cooper sent his kids, he had three daughters, sent his kids, I think two of the three, two, maybe one of the three, I forget, but at least one, I think two, sent them to private school. And so that's good enough for him, you see? That's, see, he, he was able and lucky enough, and you, you might say privileged, that he has privilege to send his child to a private school. And I'm sorry, poor folk, if... Uh, if you can't afford a private school like my good friend Ray Cooper can, well, you're screwed. 
Don't worry, though. He wants to make your school better. It's it's not happening, but he totally wants to make it better. It, 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 it's going to take a while. And so, like, your kid's going to suffer. Your kid's not going to get a good education. So his plan for improving all the schools across the entire state, not going to, those benefits are not going to be realized by your child over the next, you know, 12, 13 years while your child is in that failing school. And you can't afford to move to a nicer, quote, neighborhood with a different school, a more uh, credentialed school. But don't worry, he cares. I mean, not... Not in a way where, like, he cares enough to actually give you the tool to get out of the failing school and improve your child's lot in life. Not like that kind of care. But care in a way, like, uh, everybody can see that he cares. They, they can see him say these things, and then he can get sort of that endorphin hit in his brain that he knows people are hearing him and seeing him care. So he cares like that. Again, not helpful for your child. But helpful for him. And really, isn't that what it's all about? So after Corey DeAngelis points out that uh, Roy Cooper sent his kids to these, quote, unaccountable private schools. The Twitter account for the North Carolina Senate Democrats responded. Corey DeAngelis says, if the private schools are so unaccountable, why just send your kid to one? And the Senate Democrat account says, shot in the dark here. Cooper probably didn't use public vouchers to send his kids to a private school. So that's what makes it accountable or not accountable. So, wait, what? How absolutely asinine of a statement. These people live in such a protected, isolated bubble. They are, this is why I've been saying this for 20 years. Unchallenged ideas are easy to hold. They never get pushback on this stuff. They say this stupid stuff and everybody around them just nods like they're the studio audience at a Dr. Phil taping. Mm, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. So rich people, they're the only ones who are allowed to send their kids to private schools. Or another shot in the dark. These are tweets, by the way, in response to the Democrats. How about parents pay taxes that go into the public fund, give them back their tax money, and let them choose? It's a pretty simple concept. These kinds of arguments only reinforce the idea that school choice is intended for the rich and nobody else. Yeah. See, they always get the choice. The elites always get to have the school choice. They just don't want you to have it. I remember reading a piece couple years ago that a lot of the culture war stuff that we're seeing now is because what used to be outward and obvious signs of wealth and elite status in the society have uh have become attainable for most people um a lot of people can afford good clothes now right thank you capitalism right uh most people are like driving around in decent cars People, you know, have home ownership rates and that sort of thing. Like these outward, like everybody's got a supercomputer in the palm of their hand at a cost of six, seven hundred dollars, right? So, it, it you know, from outward appearances, you walk around, you look at people, and you know, by and large, you can you have no idea 
if they are, quote, one of you. Are they the elites? Because, like, the elites used to dress in certain ways, and you would know that they are elite by the way they dress. But now it's kind of difficult because, I mean, they started dressing like slobs. They don't wear ties anymore. Have you seen this? Ain't ain't nobody, like, Donald Trump is probably the last guy wearing a suit and a tie. Every other guy I I see wearing suits, they're not wearing ties unless they're defendants. So, well, okay. But Donald Trump still wears the tie, even though. (laughs) All right. All right. Bad example. Bad example. But uh, job interviewees, same thing, right? Wearing ties. Like all of the tech bros, all the leaders of the companies, like you see these guys, like the BlackRock CEO guy, I saw him and he's not wearing a tie in some interview. Nobody's wearing ties anymore. These businessmen, nobody's wearing ties. That's the sign of elite status now. So whatever, when it, whenever the hoi polloi, whenever us rabble are able to kind of imitate the trappings, the outward visible trappings of the elites, the elites have to do different things. And so that's why like they start, oh, you know, we have to live in these certain ways and we have to adopt these certain norms and cultural mores. Now, do they live by them? No. No, of course not. They, they don't live as if they're 72 genders, but they want you to. Right, so they're going to adopt this whole uh, this whole litany of of uh, rules and and concepts and ideas that we all have to live by as society, and we have to we have to speak these truths, you know, as canon. But do they live like that? No, not really. Right? Oh, I'm for the school system, public schools. We have to support all the public schools, and I will lend my money to the campaign for more money for the public schools. But I will send my children to private schools. Meanwhile bashing public or private schools and anybody trying to get out of them. And this is why Andrew Dunn over at Longleaf Politics is right. Republicans need to take this argument head on. The money follows the kid. Stop with the brackets and the tears and all of that stuff. Like, don't don't make it like a graduated income tax kind of system where the more money you make, the lower you, uh, voucher value you get. Open it to everyone. Everyone gets to choose. Unify it. Everyone gets to choose. And if more people choose, again, if more people choose the public school system, fantastic. That means you're doing it right in that district or in that area of town. Keep doing that. And maybe model your other schools on what that school's doing, right? Competition will will improve quality. Trust me. There's only like, like 250 years worth of uh, evidence to support this concept. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Just saw. So uh, Charlotte Democrat Trisha Cotham confirming she will, in fact, be switching parties from Democrat to Republican. Trisha Cotham uh, telling Brian Anderson, formerly of the Associated Press, 
You can now subscribe to his uh, Substack. Uh, this is the breaking news from this afternoon. Brian Anderson confirming that Trisha Cotham, Mecklenburg County Democrat, will switch parties, giving Republicans a super majority and dealing another uh, dealing a major blow to Governor Roy Cooper's veto power. Uh, she he then cites to, to, to Cotham resented attacks that she received following her absence on a gun bill override vote. What did I say? What did I say? I told you that's what this was about. Right? She she had long COVID. She was uh, back in Charlotte. She missed the vote. She got dragged by the left because she wasn't there to help override the pistol purchase permit vote to uh, to or to override the governor's veto uh, to protect the veto, I should say. So she wasn't there. So they ran the vote. She missed it. They were able to override the governor's veto. And so everybody, her, her own party started dragging her, started attacking her on social media. They also went after her over uh, her absence on the immigration customs enforcement deal, the cooperation with ICE bill. And she resented it. She said, people don't care about the facts. They will say whatever they want. They'll be cruel. They're now attacking my family and children. You guys did this to yourself. You did it to yourself. And I am so here for it. Oh, thank you, Trisha Cotham. Uh, regarding the, uh, the school voucher expansion of this program, Andrew Dunn at Longleaf Politics says that this proposal the Republicans are running right now is a more traditional school choice argument. If the state is willing to spend a certain amount of money per student, it follows then that parents should be able to decide where their students' allotment should go. It's pretty clear why the state Senate Republicans here took the approach they did, though. They're terrified that they're going to get criticized by the left for supporting a giveaway to rich families that attend private school. You know, like the governor. That specific attack is why the Opportunity Scholarship Program developed the way that it has. Rather than proactively making the case for school choice, Republicans have chosen to try to neuter specific criticisms. That's why this proposal and the program looks the way it does. Let me go over here to Andy. Welcome to the show. Hello, Andy. Hey, Pete. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Uh, listen, I listen to you every day. Um, Thanks. Earlier, you were talking about uh, your frustration with uh, organizations and institutions that seem like they never seem to be able to change. And what you're talking about is the Shirky principle, uh, named after a guy named Clay Shirky. Mm which says that organizations left to their own devices tend to perpetuate the very problems they were designed to solve. It's the reason why cancer hospitals are never really rooting for a cure for cancer. <laughs> well, I don't know about rooting for a... I mean, I think a lot of people that work no, no, in the... No, they... No, they... If you... When you get... If you talk to anyone on the board of a cancer hospital, they're in the business of treating cancer. The last thing they want is a cure for cancer. All right. First off, I don't think they would ever say that to you. Right, I don't okay. think they would ever admit that just because they're going to say that privately. Right, they're okay. going to say that privately. But if you look at government organizations, yeah, if you look at our school systems and stuff like that too. They're in the business of perpetuating the very problem that requires them to be the solution for it. Sure, there is That's why we still have affirmative action programs. The you know the goal of affirmative action is is should be not to need it anymore. Right, but there's a whole part of our political wing that does everything to perpetuate that so they can stay in that business. Well, there's, yeah, there's an entire cottage industry that develops around solving the problem, quote unquote. And once the, and this is, look, Milton Freeman talked about this as well, um, that the, you know, these government programs are oftentimes there, the, the, the political rhetoric 
is aimed at, you know, helping uh, the poor or helping a protected class or something. But it, really what the program does is it helps the middle class because they're the ones that administer the job, the, administer the programs. So they end up benefiting more, more than the people that it's designed to benefit. So then they become an entrenched bureaucracy that want to keep the bureaucracy going. I, I appreciate the call, Andy. I got to run. You hear the music playing. Uh, I'll look up the Shirky Principle. The Shirky Principle. It's fun to say. I like the name, Shirky Principle. All righty. Brett Winterbull, coming up next. He will have all of the latest and greatest details of Donald Trump's Dane court, I suspect. See you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.